0: Yo, yo, what up, what up? Welcome to the WTF Should I Do With My Life podcast. We are here. I am your host, Jacob Sokol, and I am pumped that we get to rock together on this journey over the next hour or so. Shall you choose to stay on board, which I say you do because today's episode is bonkers. Before we get into all that, this podcast is all about helping you live with greater levels of success, of purpose, of authenticity, and being strategic about the you unique. unique challenges and the unique opportunities that are present for us today. These interviews are designed to bring you more clarity, more confidence, what else? More inspiration, and just a whole bunch of good shit. So ultimately you can perform better at work, in your relationships, and Anywhere else like the bedroom or I mean not the bedroom, but yeah, the bedroom like it's so hard for me to not bring my inner teenager into these podcasts and start cracking class clown fart jokes in the middle of it. But nonetheless, uh, today's podcast is with Kelly Jackson. Kelly Jackson, my first thoughts when when me and Kelly connected was, who is this unassuming middle-aged government accountant? And part of what makes today's episode so crazy and and really what what Kelly is up to so crazy is that with zero previous experience, she decided that she was going to ride a damn unicycle around the world, a fucking unicycle, not even like a bike, but a unicycle, and she's never ridden one at the time she committed to that. So I happened to be there when she made that commitment and that decision, and I've been following her super closely over the last two years, and I decided to bring her on the podcast so she could tell her insane story as it continues to develop right now. Um, This was a super fun interview, uh, really meaningful, a lot of just... Good vibes, good vibes, baby. And uh, we talk about you know a bunch of things like this, this crazy story of, of her riding a unicycle around the world that, that she's preparing for, um, how to create a vision that, that fires you up. We talk about the hidden power of going all in on what it is that you're interested in. We talk about how to use obstacles as motivation and why it's never too late to change your life. Your excuses just ain't shit over here, yo. So let's keep it moving. Uh, I'm going to bring Kelly on the podcast a few more times in the future as her story continues to unfold. I think it's one thing to hear theories from people about what could work, and it's another thing to really be in the experience of somebody's story who's living those theories. And and that's why you know Kelly doesn't have an online following yet, but she's this hidden gem that I've I've had the Uh, Privilege and and the unique opportunity to be a part of her life for some time now. And I wanted to share what she's up to because I've seen a lot of people. I've coached a lot of people. I've been around a lot of kind of inspiring situations and and Kelly has something really unique going on here. So with that said, um, if you do want to learn more about Kelly, you can head on over to her website, onewheelonly.com. It's one, like the number one. Not spelled out, so one com, And enough said, yo. Let's jump on in. Kelly, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Jacob. I'm really pleased to be talking to you today.
0: I am super pumped that we yet to connect. We've known each other for quite some time. And you are, as I recently wrote on Facebook, uh, disturbingly inspiring, which I thought was a a beautiful combination of words that I haven't (laughs) heard before. And um, what I was thinking we could do today is to share some of the backstory of this crazy mission that you're up to. We'll talk about what the mission is and then I figured that we'll do some subsequent interviews in the months ahead that kind of track your journey and follow along with you. And so today will be more about like what you're up to in the backstory. And then in future episodes, we can talk more about kind of how you deal with some of the fears that come up when you're up to a really inspiring mission. We can talk about how to move from ideas into action, how to plan for something that's kind of way out there that most people think is totally either impossible or or unrealistic. And then also just kind of track your journey in real time as you go about this uh, inspiring mission that you're up to. So does that work for you?
1: Yeah, that that sounds great. Okay, sounds awesome. really good.
0: <laughs> awesome. I'm going to do a bunch of talking now. I promise that you will do okay. a lot of talking. There'll be lots of space for it. But what I figured would be cool was to kind of share from my experience the how we got connected and then the first time that I heard about what you were up to. So, and then I'll and then I'd love to pass the mic to you and then for you to kind of fill in Um, your version of how you arrived at that same point that I um, that I then find out about like what you're what you're up to which we'll get to in a moment okay
1: okay Okay, awesome
0: (laughs) and if you need clarity (laughs) at any time I promise I'm happy to uh, help clarify but essentially (laughs) (laughs) essentially me me and you me and Kelly we met um, in a retreat that I hosted in Bali and uh, Kelly came, this was back in, I believe, uh, maybe, when the hell was it? Do you remember?
1: It was Yeah, it was January 2015.
0: Okay, awesome. So I had just done my first retreat six or seven months earlier, and I... Um, One of the pieces of feedback, so I had never done a retreat before, I had never been to a retreat before, I didn't really even know what a retreat was, and I had all these people come from all over the world, and I just kind of said, we'll figure out how to make this awesome, and and we did, it was great, and one of the pieces of feedback that we got when we sent out uh, feedback surveys afterward um, were that people really loved being in smaller groups and getting a chance to kind of brainstorm together and have some direct attention on on them, even if that was in a smaller group and so in the following retreat the the one that um Kelly attended, although you attended two, but i don 't want to jump ahead here, already starting to do that um, <laughs> The following retreat, right, so January 2015, you come, I meet you, like, this woman is really wise, like, I wasn't, for some reason, like, when you would talk, there was just, like, such a depth of wisdom that would come out, I'm like, who is this woman, how did she end up at my retreat, and, like, you know, like, so incognito in a way, and, um, and also a bit of an outlier, like uh, in the sense, if a community, the thing that that brings us together isn't a particular demographic of age or location or income. It's it's a value based thing, which is we care about authentic connection and um, doing, yeah. living life in a meaningful way, and and having excitement and and contributing. Um, and all that said, kind of, it seemed like you know you're a little bit outside of the the age range, a little bit more on the outlier. And, um, and so nonetheless, right. So I have, so one of the things that we're doing is I I think, and you can correct me on this if I'm, if I'm wrong, but we, I break up the, um, we're doing visioning stuff and we're talking about, okay, so like, what what could be like an inspiring vision that you could live into? What could be a mission that would combine some of your strengths and your passions and your values and like what you'd be inspired to do, how you'd be inspired to serve and I I break the eighteen participants up into I think three groups of six or a little bit more because we had yep. some some help there. And um and, and, and people are coming up with and and brainstorming on like what is it that you'd you know be really inspired to do. And I remember walking over to your um your circle and you saying something? Me saying something along the lines of like, "Hey, how's it going?" And you saying something along the lines of, "Oh, it's it's going quite great, actually. I came up with something." And I said, "Oh, okay. What, what did you come up with?" And you said, "I decided I'm going to ride a unicycle around the world." And 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 I and I said, "Oh," and you know, as a life coach, transformational coach, my my business my metaphorical business card title always keeps changing but as a coach and someone who stands for people's potential and greatness and what's possible for them i had to use like every bit of like willpower i had to like not like like shit on your dream right i'm like let me just like hold this like together and 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 i'm like okay let me just ask i'm like well like um oh that's like wow that's that's inspiring like um have you ridden a unicycle before? And you're like, no, never in my life. I'm like, okay, I just need to (laughs) shut the fuck up and I just need to like walk the other way so I do not kill this woman's dream and just let her be. Because as much as I'm all about possibility and potential, I also have that like grounded New Yorker came from a cynical family household. And I'm like, I think the highest level of support that I can give you is just to walk away right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't think I've ever shared that with you, but I did walk oh, away. Um, so I want to pass the mic over to you and you can give us the backstory from however far back you'd like to go. But how did you get to this point where you ultimately decided that you want to ride a unicycle around the world?
1: Yeah. Okay. Thanks, thanks Jacob. That's a good insight into what you thought about it. And I can understand why too, because most people – have have kind of thought that, I guess. Um, so just some background to it. Uh, I, when I went on your retreat, I come out of a difficult relationship. And coming to the retreat, I was sort of thinking, what is it that I'm going to bring to this retreat? And I had this idea about wanting to be an entrepreneur. I've got no clue where that came from, but that was just this thing in my head that I thought that I ought to be. Um, so that's what I came to the retreat with I want want to be entrepreneurial but I had no concept of what that meant or what that looked like so let's just leave that idea there for a sec Um, go back to about 2010 and it wasn't kind of until my 40s I'm 51 now but in my 40s I think I realised wow I probably should travel a bit because I hadn't done any And I took uh, a couple of little little trips, uh, my first international trip, and then I decided to take 18 months off my job, which which is a pretty big deal for most people, I suppose. So I took 18 months off and I traveled to 26 countries, and it was one of the most amazing times of my life. But it was during that period that I decided to have a holiday from my holiday, and I went to a like a juice a juicing yoga retreat cuz I'd never done that kind of stuff before and it was at that the woman said to me so what's next after what's next for you after all this travel and i said what's next for your life and i said i'd really like to ride a unicycle around the world and she said oh why is that and i said well i've grown up cycling and i love cycling in the sense that it gives me and I love travel, and it would be amazing to combine those, but everybody rides a two-wheel bike around the world, so maybe something a bit challenging. And I think she probably <laughs> had the same response as what you did, which was like, is this woman on some kind of drugs? Okay, that's nice. Bye. And so off I went.
0: And, so and so let me I'd, let me ask, was that the first time that you had thought about it, or was that just the first time that you had verbalized it?
1: Uh, I think – it was. I think it just popped out. I don't think I really gave it a lot of thought until that conversation at that time. Um, and I'll take us back even further to 2004 when a friend of mine emailed me and said, hey, there's this unicycle for sale at work and it's 50 bucks or something. You're the only person I know who would have the tenacity to learn to ride it, don't want to buy it. And I said, "Oh, yeah, that would be really cool." And then it sat in her car for like ten years.
0: In her car, so I've
1: actually, yeah, I've actually, owned, <laughs> I've actually owned a unicycle for years. It's just that I never, I never had one. It sat in her car. So, it, this is an guess, amazing
0: friend, by the way, that she let you keep a <laughs> unicycle in her car for ten years.
1: I know, right? <laughs> so that's maybe where it came from. But it popped out during that that little session and then, of course, like a lot of these things, they just sit in your head and it's it's hard to actually get moving on them. I mean, I didn't really do anything with it until I came to Bali <clears throat> and when we were doing that activity, it was, you know, I had this oh, entrepreneurship but there wasn't anything really connecting for me and some of the sort of pre work that we'd done was looking ab- looking back at our lives where we'd had these common themes and one of the common themes for me was this sense of freedom and uh, and also the the travel and when i th- yeah when I look back now, the periods of my life that I loved the most were as a teenager where I just spent most of my time on my bike pretty much, uh, and then doing that trip. So uh, the work, I guess, that we did at, at the workshop, I couldn't connect with that entrepreneur thing because, I, I don't know, this wasn't making any sense to me. And this unicycle idea from 2010 popped up again. And I went, oh, cycling, travel, there's this idea and uh, and I guess it just occurred to me that I, I really liked my job at that time. I didn't want to. I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. I just wanted to go ride a bike. And what were you doing
0: for work at that point?
1: Ah, uh, so I was an accountant. I worked in public sector. Uh, sorry, public service. And uh, I was an accountant.
0: And this is in Australia.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah, so I was I was really happy with my job. I didn't want to change to that, but this concept of riding my bike and travel was really strong. And then the unicycle idea popped back, back back out, and I just went, "This this is it. This is what I feel like I need to do." So so that's, so that's how the idea sort of popped out. And you know, I did actually own one since 2004 but i'd never i'd never done anything with it and then the the 2010 kind of concept came back and uh with the activities that we did in the workshop it just was really strongly calling me uh and i thought well this is what keeps coming up this riding the bike and and freedom but uh I, I just wanted it to be a little bit more challenging. It's um, like
0: riding around the world, not challenging enough. Let's remove one of the yeah. wheels.
1: Yeah. But when I, I mean, when the idea kind of first came to me, I had no understanding whatsoever if that was even realistic or practical or even doable. I had no concept about the universe of unicycles. And, of course, I've since discovered that there's really big unicycles that you can ride and go really fast on. They're not just the the small circus ones or the small ones that everyone associates with the circus. Um, Yeah. So when I had that thought, I didn't even know if that was a real, real thing that people could do. Uh, But it was just about me combining my love of riding, my love of travel into something a little bit more challenging. And and that was it.
0: Okay. This is great. So (laughs) before we move forward, I want to draw a distinction That I'm hearing that is present for me these days and that I'm hearing in your story So often we're out there looking to discover Some big insight that's going to change our life and the distinction that i've been more and more aware of is the difference between the the experience of discovering and remembering and oftentimes our intuition and the greatest kind of guidance we can get it's it's more of a remembering energy than it is a discovering energy and for you in that moment it was like you you got reconnected there was an element of of like it making sense but it was like a remembering of like oh yeah like there's this thing that could be kind of cool and it wasn't a brand new idea it was in there but somehow because of the the place your mind was or the work you did, you were able to access that thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's really true, Jacob. It's, it was an activity about looking back through our lives and looking for things that we really enjoyed, things that brought out the best in us, things that brought out a lot of really good emotions and identifying if there were any kind of common themes in that. Um periods in your life that you that you most loved and what were you doing in those lives so I think if everyone does that if they look back in their life they'll find those common themes and some of those things go back to your childhood Um, some of them don't but um, that's what it was for me it was about acknowledging that I spent a lot of time on bicycles because I just loved it Um, and uh i really enjoyed travel and you know why not why not put those two things together well let's
0: talk um, about that question so you had this this remembering this kind of okay let's ride a unicycle around this this is what matters to me this is what enlivens me let's ride a unicycle around the world was there then an immediate another voice of doubt or I guess cynicism or anything else, or was it just like, okay, I guess I'll do this now.
1: <laughs> um, oh, I think you have those parts to your brain, of course, where you come up with something like that, and the other side of your brain sort of goes, oh, that, oh my god, that's just ridiculous.
0: Let's hear that um, part because that's the part I yeah. think everyone can relate to is the part that's like, that's ridiculous. So, what did that sound like for you? If if there was anything else other than that's ridiculous.
1: Uh, it was the usual stuff of what are people going to think? Of course, I can't do that. It's unrealistic. What about my job? You know, it it it's that part of your brain that kind of says that's not possible. You know, we, yeah, what will people think about this idea? Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's just you. It's just yourself immediately, kind of jumping onto it, into it, and going, you know, don't don't be so ridiculous. Which I, I guess is why I never did anything with it, sort of back in two thousand and ten, because straight away I think my brain just went to, oh, well, that's just ridiculous. Mm. <laughs> what a, what a stupid thing to to think of.
0: Okay. this, so, is, this is great. Yeah. So so walk us. Let's let's fast forward a bit now. Or just continue forward here and the next time that me and you connected was you came to the, the next retreat that I did also in Bali which was probably seven months uh I forget when it was I usually was spacing them like six or seven months apart I think at that time and um, so what, what happened in between, like what, I actually don't know the behind the, the scenes story of like, what was going on in your process during that time? And then how did you end up back in Bali again?
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I was struggling with, uh, our relationship and I got pretty close to suicide actually. Um, and uh, and because I'm a slow learner as well, I had to come back for a second and go <laughs> to your retreat.
0: Deep learner, <laughs> not slow learner. Yeah. You go, you do It's not that you just go slow; you go deep.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it was also, I think, that fe- that fright of getting really close to not being here mm. that kind of stimulated me into going. Well, you're still alive. Wow. You better do so- Better do something with it.
0: Oh my god! Actually, I um, do remember that you did you did share that with me. Um,
1: yeah. Huh?
0: What was the so narrative? I, I mean, to whatever degree you'd be open to sharing, and I just I slow down here because you know I've been suicidal at multiple stages of my life, and it's part of the reason that I do the work that I do is I I know what it's like to really suffer and to suffer inside in my mind and my experience of, of my day-to-day life and not knowing how to really distinguish between the thoughts that I was having and, and kind of thinking that I was those thoughts. Um, but, you know, well, to whatever degree you'd be open to sharing, like what was, what was that experience like for you? And I guess what, um, what helped turn that around?
1: Yeah. Thanks, Jacob. It was I think it was challenging because I didn't understand what was going on Uh, and I suspect that it involved uh, uh, some mental illness, um, which was very sad with the the person I'd been involved in, um, which had created a, a really challenging psychological dynamic, I suppose, that didn't that i didn't understand and didn't make any sense and it was manifesting itself in this awful depression and anxiety um in that i in you or in them yeah yeah in me i mean in oh. them and in, and in me as well and i just i i that was unfamiliar to me um i didn't understand how to deal with it i didn't understand um how to get myself out of it <laughs> sorry but at the same time uh i'd also had some some other things going on uh, my grandmother had died um i was having a challenging situation with my dad um i had a incredibly difficult staff member at work so i kind of had this massive big life snowball that that just hit me and uh, i i didn't know how to deal with it and i and that's kind of where i ended up going to that i just can't cope with this stuff anymore Mm. Um, so I put my hand up and, and asked for some help, which was good uh and it t- took me a little while to to get over uh, that anxiety um It was tough and, and and it was challenging, but I suppose uh that's kind of what brought me back to the second retreat mm. you know that i that I dealt with that hard stuff and really now it was it was time to question. Well, what am I here for? If I nearly didn't make it, what does that now mean for my life? Is it does it mean getting up and walking to work every morning and coming home and watching the TV? Because I think my life is about more than that, as is everybody's. So that experience, I guess, made me ask some of those hard questions. Well, why am I here? What am I going to do with this now that I've made it through if i made it through that tough situation what else can i make it through wow. Mm. wow
0: to whatever degree you'd be open to sharing when you say that you put your hand up and asked for help how are you where did you do that and i ask because i'm sure there's people listening who can relate and and also are probably wondering you know where where they can get support and and the other thing i would ask is what did you learn? What was the insight or insights or whatever it was that helped turn that around?
1: Yeah. Um, so I reached out to a couple of really good friends um, that were just incredible in their, in their support with me. Um, but I also went and got some professional help, uh, which I'd never done before. So I went and saw a psychologist. And uh, she was fantastic. I, I spent a bit of time seeing her and she just sort of talked me through the dynamics of what had happened. Um, she explained some things to me. She gave me some research material. Um, yeah, and, and she just did some professional activities with me that sort of helped get me back on track, I guess. So, uh it was it was really hard to do to kind of say, hey, I think I need to see a psychologist. Mm. That's a really hard thing for a lot of people to do because you feel like, you know, there's something. Uh, you feel like an inferior kind of person, I suppose. If you have to, if you admit to yourself that you have to go see a psychologist, you think, God, you know, what is wrong with me? But something was wrong. I was suffering from severe anxiety to the point where it was affecting me being able to uh, do my job and and live my life. So I had to address it. Um, And and that in combination with just amazing friends um, is what what pulled me through that. Um, And it was great. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I was gonna ask if there was some shame or some kind of taboo uh, associated because you almost whispered it. You're like, I went to see a psychiatrist. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, I get it. I had the same feeling when I went to see a psychiatrist therapist, um, which yep. for me was, I guess, <laughs> ten years ago. And I, 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 I went for five years straight, every week. When I was traveling, then I, I wouldn't go. But when I was in New York, um, I, I went every week and. Uh, It was it was uh, really helpful in many ways and there it's such a broad category. So when we talk about therapy or psychology, I mean, it's like talking about food. There's so many different types of food. Some food works well for some people. Others does for other people, Um, but. I love that that you went and that is one notion that I think really plagues our society is that there's something wrong with you or you're weak if you uh, you know say that you could use help or support and like that there's some sense of like egoic proud accomplishment that you get if you figure life out on your own and if you don't ever yeah. s- admit like I don't know or I'm struggling with this thing like it, it's like our self-worth is tied up in our in that whole equation um, And for me, that's that's part of the reason I share so vulnerably in the work that I do and in, in the podcast and when I'm talking with with clients who I'm coaching is you know, I I believe that shame and isolation are Uh, some of the hardest things and most toxic things to be experiencing. And it's just by someone listening to this right now, like you, I don't know to what degree you can really, um, or I can even really get this, but someone is listening to this right now and they're like, oh my God, I'm so glad they're talking about this. This is pertaining exactly to me. I've been feeling exactly that way. And if you wouldn't have been brave enough to talk about some of the, the darker uh, more challenging parts of your experience, they would have never got that liberated feeling of, oh wow, I'm not alone. There's not something wrong with me, and in fact, maybe I have hope now that I can do something about it.
1: Yeah, it, I think the shame part's really interesting, actually, because it's easy for us to go to the the normal doctor, you know, if we've got an illness, a physical kind of illness, but when we have a psychological illness. We find it really hard because we should just toughen up. We should be just be able to get on with it, right? That's the that's the sort of pressure we put under ourselves under, or society puts us under. <laughs> so, and I guess just like a a medical, or a physical illness, often we can't fix it ourselves. We do have to get some help, and it's the same with psychological illness. That when we're in it, especially. It's really hard to find a way out. We don't know how to find a way out. We're stuck in that, and just going to see someone like that gives you that sort of pathway out of it. Mm. Um, it. Yeah, I think it's really important because, yeah, if you if you you know have a an infection in your body, you you can't solve that yourself. You need to go see a doctor, and it's the same if you have a psychological Uh, injury or illness you need to go so see someone and get help because you won't get yourself out of it
0: yeah i can i can get that this kind of framing has was really helpful for you and i love that you're unpacking it this way because this is going to relate really well to someone who is in a similar situation than that 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 you were um and and also as i hear that I'm, every time you're like psychological illness i'm like no it's not a psychological illness i'm like everyone is okay we just you know like at the it's really interesting Um, because when I say everyone is okay, I don't mean that there aren't people who are suffering or experiencing pain, but so much of psychology is pathologized, meaning that it's about like, here's what's wrong with you and we need to fix you and you're not okay. And the goal is to make you okay. And some of the modern day neuroscience, specifically one of my kind of heroes in that field, um, Bessel van der Kolk, he's uh, one of the, the world's leading experts on trauma. He, he says that basically, and he was around when they created like, I forget what it's called, like the DSM something that's like this. It's basically like yeah. the, the book with all the illnesses in it. He's like that basically yep. like most of the things listed there that we call illnesses are actually symptoms. And if you go down to the root of what's at the, the core of those symptoms, that it basically boils down all illnesses generally boil down to psychological what we 'd call illnesses boil down to one of two conditions: one is the lack of ability to create safety inside of yourself by regulating your nervous system or two um, not being able to maintain to create and maintain relationships with people and like that 's like the root of um, all this all this other stuff that we often then think oh there 's something wrong with me i 'm not good enough and um so anyway i love the way that you you framed it because i can see i can see how much that worked for for you and and i can see the truth in that and i can see that that's going to map for somebody else really well and then for everyone else who's like i don't i don't want to admit that i have a psychological illness well i don't, actually don't even i wouldn't even frame it that way um because to me that just creates even more of the shame like there is something yeah. wrong with you
1: yeah 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 i i, I yeah, I can see that. I, I, su- I suppose it, it, I just didn't know how to get 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 myself out of it. Yeah, I was in such a big funk that I didn't know what to do. I'm and, fucking glad you did what you did, woman. Shit, <laughs> so glad to have am I. you here. <laughs> so why it's a it's a pretty horrible place to be. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well,
0: um well on that on that inspiring positive uplifting note l- let's <laughs> let's move yeah. forward so okay so you end up back in bali uh you're on another retreat like was there anything else that you well i guess i'll 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 fill in from my experience from my perspective so okay i speak to kelly again she's like hey i'd love to come back to bali I talk to her i'm like kelly's amazing i'd love to have kelly back in bali she you know she's added so much value to the group this would be great um you come back and i don't remember exactly like to me there wasn't the same initial shock of like i want to ride a unicycle around the world and i'm like okay um this time you you kind of told me the same thing i think Really, like jacob you know i still want to ride a unicycle around the world and I, at this point i was probably like okay again like cool <laughs> um yeah. tell me i guess what's going on in your world at that point and what um, what transpires as a result of you being in Bali, and and then kind of uh, take us forward on the journey from that point?
1: Yeah. Okay. So after that, you know, kind of flat spot, I suppose. I took that. I came back to Bali, and I guess I worked through that initial idea again. Is are you really sure this is what you want? Yeah. Yeah. This is what keeps coming up for me. So. Um, I, I guess the second Bali workshop really just cemented that that was the right, you know, that's where I wanted to go. Um, but I guess the trick for me then was, okay, well, what am I going to do about it? Because cause I can't actually ride a unicycle. <laughs> so <laughs> how am I going to ride a unicycle around the world when I can't actually ride one? Um, so it just, it just kind of set off a whole chain of events then about, well, how are you going to implement this? And I sat down with one of the other participants at that workshop who was a, a project manager, and she helped can me we brainstorm.
0: Can we can we say names? I mean, I'm okay with that. Yeah,
1: yeah, Mary, Mary Beth. What up? <laughs> oh, <Yo>, Mary Beth. <laughs> so she was this incredible project manager, and I just how she was talking through the workshop. Thought, oh yeah, she'd be really good to talk to to help kick some of this stuff off. And so, she just helped me come up with or brainstorm sort of eight headings, if you like, of uh, things that I'd need to cover for the trip. So, they were headings like, uh, you know, budget, logistics, um, skills, equipment, uh, I don't know, social media. Uh, so Still working on that, that- one. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm on your case yeah. about it. I I left that one to last. (laughs) Um, um, So I came up with these headings, and then essentially, I just brainstormed almost every kind of action that I would need to do under them. So obviously, with one of them, skills number one is learn to ride a unicycle, right? Uh, Under logistics, you know, work out where where I'm going to go. Um, what were the off bike skills that i'd need to learn uh, I did a a risk assessment which really helped me separate out what was what were beliefs in my head, what were things that weren't true versus what were real risks
0: mm that's so valuable
1: um <clears throat> and so real risks around personal safety for example so one of the actions that i needed to do and have been doing has been learning martial arts for example um yeah and so that, i just came up that's, with
0: you. um thanks for thanks for bearing with me when i'm um cutting you off here uh that's all right yeah, thank, thank you. When I coach people, I'm like, listen, this is just kind of how it goes. There's, this is not the, the, this is not the universe of a normal conversation. This is going to be me jumping in and in the interview world, it's something similar. So. We'll and we'll go into that. We'll do a follow up. We'll do a few follow up interviews where we go specifically into okay, so how do you move from idea to action? How do you plan? How do you yeah. deal with fears? So you're it's it's great. People are getting a bit of a taster now. And guys, come back, stay tuned over the next few months. We're going to go deeper into each of these topics so that you know, whatever. Uh, things you you're up to and you're inspired to do you can really get the psychology and and the the strategies that kelly is using here so you can apply that stuff as well
1: yeah awesome yeah so that so mary beth just helped me come up with those categories and then it was sort of brainstorming everything i i needed to do yeah we can have a a chat about about that in planning um but you know the biggest the biggest action was i had to learn to ride a unicycle (laughs) and that was not Uh. easy let me tell you i think it wasn't easy because i was unfit i was overweight to ride a unicycle you need good balance right i had no balance and you also need really good core strength because that's how you control your speed your direction stopping turning everything everything is controlled with your with your core and, and I had none, no core. Um, <laughs> I think if you were a dancer or you'd done dancing or you were a gymnast or a surfer or some kind of activity like that where you've got reasonable balance and core, you would probably learn it in about three hours. It, it, t- it took me 12 months to learn to ride it. Wow. So, Yeah, it was tough. It was really tough.
0: And when you say learn to ride it, what does that mean? Does that mean that you can kind of ride down a city block or like you can just stay up as long as you'd like to stay up?
1: Yeah, I think, well, for me, it means being able to ride 50 kilometers. I think that's about 30 miles or something.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, That's like legit. That's not like just riding it down a block. That's like you can stay up as long as you want
1: yeah and i i set myself a limit of if i'm going to do this trip i need to be able to ride about 50 kilometers a day that's kind of what i worked it out to be if i can't ride 50 kilometers a day then it's going to take me you know the rest of my life to kind of get around the world on one and that wouldn't be realistic so what what's a realistic kind of number so that's sort I, yeah. of how it came up at
0: fifty. It, yeah, r- realistic is a su- is a subjective word and experience <laughs> because I love that you're like, oh, it wouldn't be hard enough to ride around the world on two wheels. I'll use one, and it wouldn't be realistic <laughs> yeah. to not ride thirty miles a day. So, <laughs> so, so tell us, and, and actually, just clarify. So, when you say ride a unicycle around the world, what does that actually mean? What What do you? I mean. I'm speechless. Like, what What does that mean?
1: So, I, I think of it just like normal cycle touring, except it's a bit slower and a bit harder, right? Because you've only got one wheel. So, if I was going normal cycle touring, it would mean I'd put my gear on some panniers and I'd just kind of ride off and just keep going. I, you know, you stop, you do some camping, you s- use some of the cycle touring networks. So really, for me, it's just about going for a ride every day. Get up, get on your bike, go for a little ride like you would with any normal kind of bike touring. It's just that you can't go as far and carrying your stuff is a bit tricky.
0: And by little ride, you mean 50 kilometers?
1: Yeah. uh, And I guess it's, it's kind of up to me. You know, there'll be days where I won't want to ride. There'll be days where I'll maybe I want to play tourist. Um, So I'm not out to break any world records. There's uh, there's one guy who's just finished doing this for the first time ever. Actually, he's a young British guy called Ed Pratt. Hi, hi, Ed. Um, It took him. (laughs) So he. So I now know it's possible because he's done it. It took him three and a half years, but. For me, it just translates into just getting up every day and going going and riding my bike How and many it, go ahead yeah eventually i'll hopefully I'll get back home. <laughs> <laughs> how
0: many countries are you estimating that you'll go through, and how much time do you imagine that you'll be on this cycling uh adventure
1: um it will probably take me about three and a half years. I mean, that's what it took Ed. But he's he's only 19, so he's only a young guy. He's pretty strong. Maybe it might take me longer. Um, oh, gosh, I haven't actually counted the, the number of countries. Um, there's quite a few in Europe that I'll end up going through. So maybe... 15, 16 countries all up. It just depends. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty flexible with it too. I've got some ideas about where I want to go, but I'm not wedded to them. Uh, you know, I can change them if I need to, plus the weather. Obviously, uh, timing and weather will make a, a big difference because I don't really want to be riding a uni- trying to ride a unicycle with gear on it in snow. That's not my idea of a good time. I thought you like a challenge, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, I do. I did snow camping in preparation, just to see what that was like, and it was a bit cold. I didn't really like it. So
0: <laughs> we'll go more into the the preparation, and and we'll talk about your your shit list challenge in in a later oh, yeah, interview. Yeah. Um and I realize that i've like i've like jumped to like more of the details about the trip because I just wanted to create more context for what we're actually talking about with for for everyone who's listening, but there's still more of the the story I want to bring forward to get us to where we are in current day um i'm i'm I have time I'm good to keep going with the interview are you are you good to keep going
1: yes yeah yep yeah. yeah, I'm good
0: okay, awesome so come to Bali the second time. You leave Bali the second time, you identify your number one most important task is to learn to ride a unicycle. When is the next time that me and you connected? Gosh. Was it, it when was you in, sent me a Facebook in, message and don't don't uh, let me tell that part of the story, please? <laughs> Is it when you sent me a Facebook message asking for some more accountability, or was it? I know you joined the Inner Game Immersion yes. Program that I ran, but I'm trying to un- I'm trying to remember. Did you join that program first, or did you ask for more accountability first?
1: I think I asked for accountability. Okay. Because great. I, okay, because. I was faffing, right? This is what learned this is what learn to ride a unicycle looked like for me at that time. Oh, it's Saturday morning. Oh, I better learn to ride that unicycle. By this time, I'd actually got that unicycle from my friend, right? So I actually had one. That was a good start. Number one, get a unicycle. <laughs> so, I, so I got the unicycle that had been in my friend's car for ten years, and it had a flat tire, and I cleaned it up and everything. Um. So number one, learn to ride a unicycle was, oh, it's Saturday morning. Oh, I need to learn to ride a unicycle. I pull it out. I try and sit on it. I feel like I'm going to die because that's what unicycles do when the first time you get on them. I, I sit on it for 15 minutes, feel like I'm going to die and go, hmm, okay, there you go. That was good. And then you put it away until next Saturday. <laughs> so that's what, that's what learning to ride had looked like for me for for the rest of 2015 and could, that was not going to get me there uh, so I think then I sent you a message and I said hmm, what's going to make me really commit to this trip and do, do you want me to tell this story now? No,
0: no, I'm going to jump in. I'm, I'm quietly <laughs> okay. secretly, I don't know if you can hear me tapping on my keyboard, I'm quietly uh, secretly pulling up the message that you sent me <laughs> Honestly, I won't I won't read the whole thing if it if I sense that there's anything vulnerable or personal in it. Uh but I I am I am looking at the message right now. Um Okay. Okay, this is great. Thanks guys for um for bearing with me. Um is this the message? Hold on. No, it must have been in an email, not a facebook you You sent me a picture afterwards in a Facebook message. okay, so basically, Kelly emails me and says something along the lines of hey jacob you know i'm i 'm really interested and committed in committed to this uh, this riding my unicycle around the world journey, but I could use some more accountability." Um, And then I forget if you said, like, can you coach me on it or like, what can I do or what it was. But I remember sitting there for a minute and thinking about it and saying, hmm, uh, what could Kelly do that would support her? And uh, how can she have more of this accountability that she wants? I'm like, oh, got it. So I reply to you and I say, "Um, sure, Kelly. Go get a tattoo with a date that you're going to leave for your trip. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's it.
0: <laughs> and that's the end of it. You know, like, I don't, I don't think about it again. I coach people in different ways at different times. Sometimes we go to really tender, emotional places where we're looking at someone's fear. And I'm not the type of coach who's like, man up, you little biatch. Like, go face... That's not what I do, right? I, I, I I'm more... Um, i I aim to be equally empathetic and um, su- supportive of your potential and to honor both of those sides and so in that moment uh, that was the thing that that felt appropriate. I was using my intuition to gauge where you were and kind of what was going on and and i didn 't think about it again and and sometimes I do that with people i there's a person in the in the um, group that we're we're a part of right now, who I gave the challenge to uh, go lay down on the floor, the public floor for 30 seconds to get over his fear of what people think of him, and I actually gave this whole challenge to the group, but then I gave to him specifically to do this every day for 30 days, so basically go into the middle of a public place and lay down on the floor on the sidewalk for 30 seconds he's been doing it for a minute and a half or two minutes i mean he's done it every day for 30 days in a row and you know that is a life-changing thing like it's a simple thing but it will really push you up against your edge of um, your current reality and so for for you, that was what I was like, well, what's the thing that's going to like really behold her accountable? Go get a tattoo. And then I didn't think about it again, and you you signed up for a different program, the Inner Game Immersion that, that I ran. I can see this in our Facebook message exchange right now. Yeah. And uh, you spoke to Dylan. What's up, Dylan? Um, and this was on January 14th, 2017. I sent you a message back. And, um, and then, so, so then no- this is great cause I can see the dates here. So then nothing happens and, um, on my side, right? You're in the program. It's great. Um, yep. but then I get a message from you seven months later, July 16th, 2017. And it says, hi, Jacob. I did it. I now, <laughs> officially have my leaving date on a tattoo and you send me a picture so tell us like what was that what was that process like and 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 then i yeah well tell us what that process was like i don't want to give away some of the juice behind your story here so like what what happened in between like then and then when you got the tattoo
1: yeah so I'm pretty sure it was on Facebook this conversation took place, but whatever it was on, <laughs> I think, um, yeah, you said, well, why don't you get a tattoo with your leaf date? And I think I kind of had this wide-eyed stare of like, oh, fuck, that's a bit permanent. And I think <laughs> you, you said, well, are you going to do it or not? Well, some, someone said when I, I mentioned that to them, well, are you going to do it or not? And it was those words that really made me go, shit. Well, am I going to do it or not? Am I serious about this or not? Because that's what this, the tattoo kind of conversation represented. Because up until then, I just been, you know, I, I wasn't committed. Yes, I did. I'd decided that this was what I was going to do, but I hadn't committed to that decision. That's what this was all about. And the the suggestion of the tattoo was a permanent commitment to that decision, right, because you don't go, get something tattooed on your skin if you're not serious about it.
0: So yeah, it was this, almost like this th- This wasn't yeah. like a small like butterfly tattoo hidden some, you know, like I don't know <laughs> under your armpit. Like you got like a full calf tattoo of like a major. It's beautiful. We'll post this if you're okay with it. We'll post it on the uh yeah. the the episode page. Uh this beautiful tattoo.
1: Thank you. But when I got it, I think you were like Fuck, I thought you were just going to get your date. You got like half your leg done. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, I'd had no tattoos either. Wow. So that was was a really big deal. But the words kind of hit home, are you serious or not? And I thought, fuck it, well, yeah, I am. And it was really about committing to the decision. That's what it was about. So uh, I went and got the tattoo done. It wasn't my original design, by the way. Um, I did contact the person whose design it was and uh, the tattoo artist adapted it for me into this really quite interesting half-leg kind of tattoo which has got my leave date on it. So it just turned mm-hmm. into this big piece of art uh, with the leave date. Yeah, and when I showed you, I think you said, fuck, that's like half your leg. I just thought you were <laughs> getting the date. So, <laughs> um, but what it did mm-hmm. do was, it made me commit to the decision because now I have this deadline on my leg. <laughs> you know, so it really, it it really focused me. It was the decision point where I went, okay, I'm going to do this because my leg says it now and I don't want it to be one of those tattoos on the internet that people regretted pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> So I guess it was an analogy for committing. You know, people do all sorts of things that really commit them to a decision. Because you can decide to do something, but until you actually commit, nothing's going to happen. And the tattoo was that commitment point, where all of a sudden it became real. I'm going to do this.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: once you once you committed, then things start to happen. Up until then it's still it's still an idea and you can kind of fiddle around the edges and you can pretend, but until that commitment point comes then, you know it's not 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 much is gonna move forward. So it really was the big step for me, uh, because I had this piece of ink on my skin now.
0: Yeah. Well I love that you were able to articulate the essence behind you know what was actually happening there, which was the the commitment and how things shifted after that. I, I noticed that when people sign up for coaching with me, there's like something about I'm going to pay thousands of dollars to you know do this thing. I'm committed and they hear things in a totally different way and they they take action in a totally different way than if they were like just asking me for advice. And I'm like, "Oh, you should do this thing or try this thing." Um and the same thing was true for me when I when I left my job as an IT guy, I guess uh, over 8 or almost 9 years ago, there was like I'm throwing my back. I'm taking all my shit and putting it in one bag. I'm throwing that bag the fuck over that fence. I don't know how I'm gonna get over that fence, but all my (laughs) stuff just went over that fence. I'm gonna get over that fence somehow because otherwise this doesn't work. So I might get banged up, might not look graceful, but I will be on the other side of that fence. And it's it's scary. It can it can for me, you know, I had panic attacks. I, I didn't I didn't have the emotional Awareness uh-huh. and ability yep. to regulate my nervous system back then that I have now so I can I can navigate those challenges uh, way more gracefully um, But nonetheless you got the tattoo um, And then I, I don't know when this exactly happened, but I remember Getting the update from you where you're like I got the tattoo I started taking martial arts classes so I can defend myself I'm like wow that's genius and like good idea and you're super committed. You told me you lost like a bunch of weight. I was like, what? And then you're like, and like, I'm going to quit my job. I don't know if you told me this at that point, but you're like, I'm going to quit my job that I've been working at for 19 years and I'm going to do, like, I'm going to go. So give us the like, you know, like you how much weight did you lose in this process?
1: Uh, so uh, about 12 kilos. I'm I'm not sure what that is in pounds. Maybe that's like, Twenty pounds or something. I, yeah, I, I think know. it's
0: more. Jay Z taught me <laughs> that a, a kilo is two point two pounds because they measure ah, cocaine okay. in kilos. So I learned a lot from rap. So it's just multiply that by by two point two. So twenty twenty. I don't know six or something more than that.
1: Yeah, um yeah. So it was just a fitness thing because it was really hard to ride. Plus, I thought if I'm going to ride around the world, I have to be a little bit fitter. So, I stopped smoking. I was a cigarette oh, smoker. Yeah, so that was I the other. You're like, I just happened to that? stop smoking.
0: Yeah. How long had you smoked yep. for up until that point?
1: Uh, kind of on and off for a while. I would had periods where I'd stopped before and got fit and then started again. So, I, I don't know, maybe 15 years. I'm like, what uh, the fuck?
0: This is the lady who was like, I'm going to ride a unicycle around the world, was smoking, 25 pounds overweight, never rode a unicycle in her life. I was like, you know, and again, like amazing woman. I'm like, this woman is great. I love her. She's so wise. And then two years later, like you have just been so committed to this to this vision of yours and to the transformation required in order to actualize that. Like I'm so pumped for the movie to come out about you. Uh, <laughs> she, Kelly doesn't know a movie's going to come out about her yet guys, but one day there, there, there will be a movie about her. Um, I'm, I, I'm cutting you off cause I'm so excited, but so I guess tell us more about like what, what was happening once you committed, once you got the tattoo, what happened from that point forward?
1: Yeah, it, it's really an incredible process once you really commit to something, then it almost takes a life on of its own um, and once I had that artwork on my leg, then I had to get serious about it. I couldn't just pull the unicycle out for fifteen minutes on Saturday and get on it and be scared and go, "Oh, there you go." I actually had to learn to ride it I had to yeah, I had to spend significant amount of time going up and down, up and down, up and down fences. I mean, I rode around my local park, 162 laps uh, last year. <laughs> just <laughs> – but that's another story, for another time why I did 162 laps. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it really just pushed and drove me. Um, I found a personal trainer, so I got some help with with my fitness – I stopped smoking. I got onto a keto diet and and lost weight. Um, and then I spent hours on that body unicycle until I could actually ride it. Um, so yeah, committing to that decision basically then just drove me forward. Uh, and I think if you probably talk to most people who've who've done any. An interesting kind of thing with their life, it really is that commitment point. Until then, you just kind of faff about and you're not really serious, so you need something that really commits you to it, and that's what the tattoo did. It, it made me go, okay, I'm serious about it, so my actions need to reflect that. Otherwise, I'm going to look like a goose with a piece of art that I can't really explain why there's this date on it. <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. So, I'm realizing I have follow-up questions about the tattoo. Um, how did you pick the leave date?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, that was tricky because uh, I was looking at roots and I was looking at weather and it was all just getting very confusing. Uh, if I leave here, then I'll end up in winter there. If I leave then, then I'll end up with horrible summer here. Um and at the end of it, I just went, oh, for fuck's sake, just pick a date. <laughs> so I, I lost my mum about 14 years ago. So I thought, okay, well, I'll just pick her birth date. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: That's amazing.
1: So I just went with her date. And at some point, I'm going to run into winter somewhere. But, you know, I'll just have to deal with that stuff when it comes up. Huh. It didn't matter what the date was. I was going to run into some horrible weather event at some point so i thought you know what doesn't matter you work it out just pick your date <laughs> stop faffing so well, yeah so, so that was how i came
0: through. so but but you didn't choose like i'm going to leave tomorrow right like you there was there was some strategy behind besides the meaningfulness of picking your mom's birthday how did you dis, how did you choose what year her of her birthday you were going to leave
1: yeah i think Well, I I still had a lot of stuff to do. Um, And I wasn't at a point where I was kind of ready to leave within 12 months. When I thought about the 12-month concept, it just invoked this fear in me because I thought, shit, I'm not ready. So I picked uh, 2019. So next year, next year in October is my leave date. So it was It was a little bit in advance, but I guess it just gave me enough time to feel comfortable about being ready because there's a lot of stuff to get organized. Um, Yeah, so that's how I picked picked that. I suppose it was just about being comfortable. When do I think I'm going to be ready for this?
0: Yeah, okay, nice. And what was the biggest barrier to you getting the tattoo? Was it... It was, okay, so I'm doing this. And I don't know if you equated taking this trip with then leaving your job and, and not returning. Like, I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm wondering what was the biggest. Um, but what about this thing that, that would creep up in your mind as a doubt before really committing to the trip?
1: Mm, I, I don't think there was – I mean, certainly my job was a was a big one. It's, it's that's a big issue, I suppose, for anybody that kind of travels or decides to do a trip like this. What about my job? What about my job? What about my house? How am I going to deal with that? Um, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't thinking, how am I going to solve this? I just thought, I'll work it out down the track. Um, one of the big barriers, I, w- I suppose, was that I didn't have any tattoos. So it was a big step actually getting a tattoo, and it fucking hurt too. Sorry, excuse excuse my
0: language. No, that's my secret goal of everyone I interview is to get them to drop an F-bomb, although I just came up with that secret goal now, so thank you for that inspiration.
1: (laughs) I know why they call them tough stickers because it really hurt a lot. (laughs) Uh, Had I known how much it was going to hurt, that would probably be (laughs) the biggest barrier, actually. Um, I think it was probably more... Just dealing with people's thoughts on it because I I couldn't ride one. You know, how Mm. how do you say to people, hey, I'm going to do this thing when you can't even do it because that's the first thing that they say. Oh, I didn't know you could ride a unicycle and you go, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) And they just look at you like, right, right, okay, (laughs) like you did that time.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't – I mean, I hope I concealed it somewhat well, but nonetheless.
1: Yeah, Yeah, so – That's probably, that was probably the biggest barrier. This is making a commitment to this thing when I couldn't, when I couldn't do it. I I guess I, I thought it was possible. It wasn't an unrealistic, oh, I'm going to go to the moon. You know, it wasn't an unrealistic thing like that. It was a, it was a possibility for me. It was just going to take a lot of work. Um, So, yeah, I don't, I don't think that there were any, any, two big barriers but i i hadn't dealt with them at that time i just thought you know what there are barriers but i'll figure them out as i go they're not going to be insurmountable what am i going to do about my job i don't know i'll work it out
0: i love it i love it that's that's self-esteem that's i mean we we were speaking about this in the unleashed uh, growth accelerator program that is essentially my favorite definition of self-esteem is the the belief, your belief in your future self's ability to handle whatever challenges come up along the way. And that's what I'm yeah. hearing here is you're like, okay, I, I just believed I'd be able to figure it out as I went. You you sent me this picture. I'm looking at the Facebook message on July 16th, two, 2017. So it's been over a year since then. Give us an update on kind of, um, present day, what's happened in the last year so that we can get caught up to speed here
1: yeah okay gosh so the tattoo just propelled me forward i suppose it really focused me uh, it just made me really commit to what i had to do um so obviously i learned to ride a unicycle um then i bought a bigger unicycle and like to ride that then i bought an even bigger unicycle you're balling, um,
0: Kelly? A... Oh, you put some spinners on that? How's that working?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's pretty good. <laughs> um, so I've got a – my biggest is a 32-inch um, wheel, which is the one I'll probably take for my trip, but I haven't decided yet. So I learned to ride bigger unicycles. Um, yeah, I got really fit. I lost the weight. I stopped smoking. I've been doing martial arts. Uh, I left my job in July this year. Um, An opportunity kind of came up and I'd done my numbers and looked at that and it looked like things were going to work. So essentially I traded money for time and I've got 12 months up my sleeve now where I can just focus exclusively on my training and preparation for this trip instead of having to go do a job. Uh, So I was – incredibly fortunate to have that opportunity this this was Um, a
0: job that you were at 19 years and i don't want to um try to have you forecast the future from where you stand now is there do you plan on going back to do something similar after your trip or are you you know thinking that won't be the case
1: yeah uh, i don't think i'll go back to to that work i don't know jacob again i guess it's too hard to predict what's going to happen in the future. I'm pretty sure I won't go back. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> <And> sure you <laughs> won't either.
0: I just wanted to get a, a snapshot of your current psychology, so when we listen to this four years from now, we can laugh about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go back to being an accountant. I don't think. <laughs> um, look, it was a you know it was a great career, and I did some amazing things. It gave me some awesome opportunities, but it. it that part of my life is kind of finished now and I'm focused on doing, you know, this new interesting stuff. Um And by the time I finish my trip, I will be a different person again. And so I don't know what that means in terms of my job. Um But I'll deal with it then, so I guess. <laughs> I'll see. I don't know, maybe I'll have to be a coffee barista or something. You have I have to be.
0: I, I mean, I know I have a friend who like wants, he wants to be a coffee barista. He's currently a high-level IT guy, and he's like, man, it would be so cool to get to be a coffee barista. I'm like, all right, <laughs> dude, I love you.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to worry about it yet. I'll wait till after my trip.
0: Yeah, I have a feeling there. there'll, there'll be some other yeah. opportunities for you. Um, well, amazing. So anything else that would bring us up to present date? You, you mentioned the Um, the losing weight, quitting smoking, uh, quitting your job, taking martial arts, um, et cetera, et cetera. Anything else that that kind of brings us up to to today?
1: Um, Yeah, I've done a lot lot more adventurous stuff. So I went and camped in the snow. I went on a four-day survival course. Um, I'm now a qualified wilderness first aid responder. Uh, And I actually run a women's adventure group which has over 1,500 members in my capital city. That's what I've been doing in my spare time. Um, so this the progress towards this trip has just kind of opened up a whole different world for me.
0: I love it. Um. So, we are over an hour here, which I love. This is like one of the longer interviews I've ever done, and I am excited that we got to unpack so much. And I'm also excited for the future and us unpacking more of kind of how you've dealt with fears, how you moved from idea into action, how you've planned for the trip. And then, just to kind of get the the real life connection to you and your story as it goes that 's one of the things that I think is so special about where you are in your journey now is like Kelly is not famous yet, guys, and you get to be a part of the journey as uh, as she goes through this this experience of really continuing to transform into the person who is um, capable of making this a reality. So, uh, we'll, we'll be releasing more interviews. I don't know when the next one will be maybe in a month from now and and we'll, we'll kind of see out, see, uh, how it goes as it goes. Um, but Kelly, if people want to, um, stay directly in touch with you and kind of follow along with you, uh, where can they go in order to do that?
1: Yeah. Thanks Jacob. Uh, so my website is, onewheelonly.com, and that's number one rather than O-N-E. And same with my Facebook page, One Wheel Only. So if people just want to look me up on those, then they can find some information about me and and my trip and they can see some photos of my unicycle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, so guys, head on over to, to Kelly's website, um, if she has a newsletter, opt in for that so that you can stay connected to to her journey and the psychology of what it's like to actually be embodying and, and living um, transformation. I mean, that that's why I wanted to bring her on the podcast here. She is not a, I don't know, I mean... This is a strange thing to say, but I, I was going to say you're not an online presence, meaning that you know you have not you at the time of recording this, you do not have a website up. You will have it up when the uh, when the interview goes <laughs> yep. live, um, and I you know she's she's just you know regular person like me and you, and you know I think it's so it's so cool to to watch um, to watch this this in action and to really feel. Um, the realness and the depth and the inspiration behind it, so Kelly, thank you for being so willing to to share wholeheartedly and vulnerably and um'm I'm, I'm such a fan of yours and i'm I'm honored and uh, just feel so grateful that we get to play together and um, our paths continue to cross and anything anything else that uh we missed or anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up today
1: uh no I really just Yeah, I wanted to say thanks, Jacob. It's been really good talking to you today. And it's been good reminding myself, you know, where I've come from too. So I've enjoyed, really enjoyed having this conversation um, with you and your listeners. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about it. Thanks. It's lovely.
0: (laughs) My pleasure. (laughs) All right, guys, I forget how I'm supposed to do podcast outros if like I just end press stop recording or if like I like record an outro afterwards. It's it's been a while. So I guess we'll just say uh, maybe b- both of us together. We can just say like
1: peace out. Yeah, peace out. Peace out. Thanks, Jake.